The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Welcome to Who Review, a review of Doctor Who for those in the new... <laughs> no idea why I said that. I think it's Capaldi's Scottish accent. It just does something to me. Anyway, we're here to review The Woman Who Lived. Now, as you remember, last week we had The Girl Who Died. It was three parts. Enormous comedy fun in the forest. Uh, it was a threat to sort of the uh, who the hell is Maisie Williams playing. And um, then we have the, uh, the death scene and then the life scene. Well, this sort of meets from where we left off by 600 years. But I suppose when you're a wibbly-wobbly time lord like the Doctor, then that might as well be yesterday. See what I did there? I know. Okay, I'm trying to be really light at the, at the start of it, because the episode started quite light. Um, the fact that we, uh, we met a shilder as she was about to rob a, a stagecoach dressed as a highwayman. Her voice changed all dark. And she had very little recollection of her previous life. She was there to do a job on the rob, and the doctor disturbed her. I can imagine he was a little bit miffed by what she'd become. You see, the centuries had seen her shoulder assume many guises. She'd been a surgeon, a scientist, a warrior, and now a highwayman. But the woman who lived confronts us with the thought-provoking idea that anyone who lives forever would lack any real identity. I mean, just imagine how many Facebook profiles you would need. We are defined as a race by those around us, and without any permanent fixtures in our life, we'd just be ghosts. Now, that's what struck me. It was the sombre mood. Last time we had the frivolity of the Vikings. We had, even though it was serious, some light-hearted moments, some silliness, some jollification. But this time round, we got six minutes a minute at six arrows a minute at Agincourt, whilst pretty impressive, suggests a pretty bleak life. Now, I'll be honest, my notes are all over the place this week, so if I chop and change, that's to be expected. But then again, that's because I don't keep good books and a good journal to keep on top of all their memories. But we discovered this is what a shielder does. What we're seeing is the consequences of immortality, and we're seeing the heavy price that she paid. Would you live forever? Would you want to live forever? I can't remember where I've left my keys. Can you imagine 800 years of not knowing things like that? I know. In this episode, we had several haunting points. Um, none more so when... Uh, I, when... Ashilda says that her body may be immortal, but her mind is not. We see her copious notes about her struggling to keep on top of what's happened. We see the tragedies unfold the death of her children. What we see here is not a cheery episode. We see a much more sombre episode. We see the result of the tidal wave. This isn't just a ripple. And the way the Doctor looks when he realises 
the weight of the life he's bestowed upon me. No, not me, but me. A shield of me. It's powerful. The somber mix of dialogue between um, a shielder and the doctor is just icing on the cake. Uh, it's, you know, the, I suppose, the cat burgling cake sneaking in to do some mischief and daring do. The doctor does not make a great sneak. Now, I was a little bit disappointed with the amulet, but we'll get to that, I'm sure, soon enough. It was a nice way to lead into the attempted mugging and the first the first glimpse of Sam Swift <laughs> what an awesome awesome hero anti-hero was Sam Swift Rufus Hound played a blinder here he oozed charisma and boardiness it was a little bit of a watered-down blackadder in places but no puns, no banter, and no bringing your dad as a sidekick, please. All in all, it was a quite a nice, possibly needed uh, juxtaposition against the backdrop of all the misery that a shielder must be feeling. The mix of moody introspection and historical romp isn't 100%, it doesn't quite gel, but the script does settle down in time to deliver a mostly satisfying final act. Of course, that paragraph should have been at the end and maybe not the beginning. <laughs> Told you, notes in a mess. I was very, very pleased. The whole, um, the whole way of getting to the, uh, to the end piece um, was quite good. The whole dual life that a shielder has as a lady but also as the highwayman and the company she keeps of the weird lion cat creature um not a fan that uh, lion uh, cat creatures seem to crop up quite a lot in doctor who i have no idea why that is um i'm not objecting of course i'm a cat person just like brad and anessa are cat people not physically cat people Although, I'm not so sure about Anessa. <laughs> so, we then get the hanging of Sam Swift. And that was full of gallows humour. I mean, literally full of gallows humour. Um, what did we get there? Well, what we got there... What we got there was, I suppose, um, the, uh, the banter, the boardiness. We got... A knob gag. Now, it's not the first time that we've had a knob gag in Doctor Who, but Sam Swift's bawdy pre-execution banter is probably the most blatant example in the form in 52 years. Personally, I think he must have been listening to Matt and Corey's podcast of terror. Hi guys. Sorry. Hi Corey. I know Matt doesn't listen. When we get to the amulet being used, and we get the mauve beam. Now, I thought that was quite interesting as a nice little throwback um, that we've uh, had before. Can you remember where we've seen the mauve alert? That was in the TARDIS. Indeed, it was. Bad things happen when it's mauve, and on this occasion, it was a real sense of peril. I do think Lenny the Lion with uh, added fire was a character who was just the, you know, he was he really didn't add much and that's why I'm a little bit little bit annoyed 
um, at them burning a race like that. It was very interesting, however, how they got through to it, and presumably Sam Swift will crop up in the future, just like a shielder will crop up in the future. I imagine they age very slowly indeed. The um, the amulet, I wonder, is it still stuck to Sam's chest? Because if so, in a few hundred years' time, that's going to be a right menace going through the airports, isn't it? In the end, humanity conquers all. That human nature, that love, that inherent ability to nurture. And that was quite sweet, quite a journey. It's interesting that Clara took a complete back seat here, just popping up at the end. It does sort of accelerate the um, foreboding of her fate. And Ashilda, when she was questioning the doctor, the how many have you lost? I suppose that's going to ring true to the doctor. Um, I think we're seeing Clara's future here. And I don't think it's bright. I'd love her to run away with UNIT and just become another officer. I don't think we're going to do that. I really do think we're heading towards the death of a, um, of a companion. Just my thoughts. Now, there were some standout moments uh, in there. The standout moment, of course, um, uh, as well as Rufus Hound and the bawdy highwayman. Um, was the script beautifully delivered. This is banter. I'm against banter. Um, if Capaldi's doctor did any more banter, he'd be straight down at Nando's. So, as I'm closing this episode, I was thinking to myself, are we going to see a shoulder again? And then look, it pops up in my newsfeed. We're going to see her in episode 10. Are we going to see just hair? I wonder. So, The Woman Who Lived. Not a perfect episode, but by no means a dog of an episode, or a cat of an episode for that matter. I would give it a solid 8 out of 10. I'd have liked to have seen possibly more of Sam Swift and his bawdy entertainment, but I would also have liked more of the upsetting, heartbreaking stories that happened to a shoulder. Still, I like that Earth now has someone watching over us. I personally thought the Doctor was being a bit of an amateur by not taking hair. But there we go. It's not all about my opinion. It's all about my opinion! Still, we have a new angel, but will we have consequences? Now next week I'm super excited because next week we get Zygons. I love the Zygons and we get a, we get a two-parter. And we get to find out what happened to Osgood. I think that's going to be well worth tuning in for. So until next week, toodle pips. This galactic netbite has been brought to you by imperialsteam.com. Why not follow me on Twitter at imperialgnome? Email me at imperialgnome at gmail.com. 
or look me up on Facebook, or just ask my Galactic Netcast friends how to contact me. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about the show you just listened to, including how to subscribe and give us feedback, plus additional podcasts from the Galactic Network, daily news features, videos, links to our social networks, and more, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>